episode of the Action Network NFL Podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the Editor-in-Chief of Fantasy Labs. We just had the Combine this past weekend, and uh, last week we previewed the event. This week we are going to talk about Combine winners and losers. Is it totally wrong for us to talk about some incredibly athletic future millionaires as if they are losers? You bet it is, but we're going to do it anyway. Here with me is Ian Harditz, the director of the Fantasy Labs NFL platform and an Action Network analyst. You can follow Ian in the Action Network app at iHarditz. Also, use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. Ian, how is it going? Going good, man. Happy to talk about some combine numbers. I was was laughing at all the uh, NFL guys kind of giving their opinions on it over the weekend. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. saying he's more of a 4-3 guy, even though he ran a 4-4. David Johnson, even though the combine really helped his stock, is apparently against it. So, interesting opinions all around. But, hey, anytime we can talk about football in early March, you got to do it. Yeah, and uh, it was a lot of fun, as you mentioned, tracking the combine. Looking forward quite a bit to this conversation. And then, of course, we're going to have another podcast episode later this week in which we break down the Alliance of American Football slate for the weekend. But right now, it's uh, NFL time. Ian, let's get into it. So last week, big thing, uh, had a bunch of props on if various combine records will be broken. Well, none of them were broken. I'm pretty sure uh, two guys from Fantasy Labs might have said none of them would be broken either, but might have to go back and listen. But all right, fastest 40-yard dash going into the combine was 4.22 seconds by John Ross in 2017. That record still holds. But Matt, we did see a few guys at least come within shouting distance. Yeah, I mean, uh, safety Zedrick Woods uh, had the combine record this year at 4.29. But two guys uh, who were right there with him, Paris Campbell and Andy Isabella, uh, they impressed with 4.31 second 40 times, uh, both at the wide receiver position. Both of them significantly helped their draft stock, and we're going to talk about them a little bit later. The wide receivers were flying all weekend. Highest vertical jump record of 45 inches by Chris Conley set in 2015 still stands. Very close, though. Matt, yeah. uh, who, who are some of the uh, biggest jumpers? Yeah, safety Juan Thornhill uh, had 44. He wasn't getting a lot of hype entering the combine, but uh, he's someone definitely to take note of. And then wide receivers Miles Boykin and Emmanuel Hall both impressed with 43.5. So they were all pretty close to, to the record. All three of those guys are pretty uh, phenomenal athletes. Next jump, looking for explosiveness is the broad jump. And I got to find out what other countries and competitions people are measuring this jump because right now, after last weekend, the top three world record broad jump record holders are all from the NFL combine. Yeah, it's uh, probable that no other country, like no other guys <laughs> are trying to, to break this because you, you figure at some point uh, some guys would be able to. But yeah, uh, Hall and Thornhill both tied at 11, uh, 11 feet, 9 inches. Those are now the second highest marks of all time. So yeah, uh, we're going to talk about Thornhill at least a little bit. But Hall is someone who is really interesting at Missouri. He's someone that I think definitely boosted his, his draft stock. All right, three-cone drill. Usually, you know, we're used to seeing running backs, wide receivers, cornerbacks at the top of this, but one of this weekend's top performers was actually a quarterback, huh? Yeah, so uh, the highest mark was a cornerback, uh, David Long. Lots of defensive backs near the top, but quarterback Easton Stick was third at 6.65, which is just an incredible time for a quarterback. Uh, and I think, like, speaks at least to, like, the mobility that he could have in the pocket. But he's from North Dakota State. He's the successor to Carson Wentz. He was a three-time national champion, the Walter Payton Award winner in 2018 as the top player in the FCS So he's basically like, uh, I don't know. I I mean, I don't want to be like too strong in my opinion of him, but he is like a Jimmy Garoppolo-esque type of prospect. Like what, not what Garoppolo is now, but what Garoppolo was entering the NFL as the top player in like the second tier of college football competition. I think Easton, or I should say Stick rather, uh, has the potential to be uh, a day two pick, like late day two pick. So yeah, and a strong runner, which you would intuit based on what we saw out of his agility drills, but someone who was actually very good as a scrambler and like a, a planned runner in college. 
And with that Jimmy Garoppolo comp, I think we found Chris Raybon's favorite late round quarterback of this draft. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that is, that is interesting to see him pop up here because I remember one of the knocks on Wentz coming out was how he got injured one of the years and really uh, uh, North Dakota State didn't miss a beat and the offense uh, kept humming and everything. And that was almost a negative on Carson, but turns out they might have just had two really, really good quarterbacks at the same time. All right, next agility drill, a 20-yard shuttle. Record was set in 2006, 3.81 seconds, which is absolutely blistering time. Uh, no one got too close with that, but we did see uh, some other top performers here. Yeah, so David Long once again had the high market 3.97 in this agility drill. But uh, the guy who really kind of caught my eye was, again, wide receiver Paris Campbell, who tied for fourth. He had a mark of 4.03. So not only does he have good speed, he also has pretty good agility, too. So that's just an, another thing to uh, keep in mind when looking at him. Yeah, it might be a little foreshadowing there for a widely talked about wide receiver that might not be just as agile that we'll get to later yeah. all right uh 60 yard shuttle set by shelton gibson 2011 10.71 seconds didn't even see anyone break 11 seconds but uh certainly still some guys that were head and shoulders above the rest of the field yeah no one really even came close to that mark which was funny because if i would have had to bet on which mark would get broken that maybe would have <laughs> been the one just because there have been guys who come pretty close but uh yeah safety taylor rap uh, had the high mark at 11.33. Just after him, uh, tied for third was wide receiver Hunter Renfro with 11.39. Didn't really distinguish himself at the combine in terms of speed. Didn't produce a lot at Clemson, but Clemson has put some guys in the NFL who have been able to stick on rosters, even though they didn't produce in college. One of those guys being Adam Humphreys. And I think that is what we would probably expect from Hunter Renfro in kind of like a best case scenario as someone who can use his agility because he definitely is agile. Someone who can use that as a, uh, a slot receiver and maybe he can catch on. Yeah. So 60 yard shuttle, no one was close to the record. And I think the same can be said for bench press. 49 was the record set by uh, Stephen Paya back in 2011. No one even got to 40, but uh, obviously still some guys putting up major reps. Yeah, uh, I, I took the over-under. I bet over for 40, so definitely lost that one. But uh, Ayasua Opeta led the combine with 39. And then second was Dexter Lawrence from Clemson with 36, you know, defensive tackle. I think he's pretty impressive. I think he's going to be a first-rounder, and I, I think um, – his combine workout probably helped solidify that. Yeah, I know he's got some extra questions with that late season suspension, but obviously have a good combine, have some good interviews. People can forget about that for a big uh, bruising defensive tackle. Yeah. All right, now we'll move on to some of the winners specifically from each day of the combine. Day one featured running backs and offensive linemen making the run game hum at the next level. And the big winner, at least as far as tackles were concerned, left tackle Andre Dillard from Washington State. Uh, Matt, you could talk about him and also just talk a little bit about how when evaluating prospects, obviously you got to look at how they're doing us the run in the past, but with more modern football uh, leaning towards the past, you kind of gravitate towards guys that are better in that area of the game, right? Yeah, so he's someone I really wasn't looking at all that much entering the combine. I had him more as like a day two type of guy. And in part, that was because he has the the reputation of being almost like just a, a pass blocker, not a run blocker. But as you mentioned, with the way that the NFL is going, that is increasingly important. And the fact is, if someone is dominant in one facet and can be just competent in the other that might be enough. So the thing is, like Dillard, coming from Washington State, he played in a very pass-happy offense. So he got a lot of pass protection reps in college. And uh, he pass blocks at a very high level. One of the highest, actually, I believe the highest pass blocking left tackle in terms of pro football focus grades. And then at the Combine, he uh, you know, showed great technique in his drills and his agility. And then he ran a 4.9640. So he has great athleticism. So he's no one that you question, is he a left tackle in the NFL? Like, I think that's clearly where he slots in. And given how good he is at pass protection and then how athletic he is, like, I think he might now be the number one tackle in the class. And like, there are teams that need tackles. Like, it wouldn't be surprising if five of them were drafted in the first round. So I could see him being a top 10 pick. Good stuff there. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing the Browns use one of their top picks to get a left tackle and. When I said that, all the Browns fans came at me about Greg Robinson and how well he played. I get it, people. He had a good eight-game stretch, but it's Baker Mayfield. Let's protect his blind side a little bit. Yeah. All right. But also, so another kind of change in a recent uh, draft history, it seems like, 
not just tackles are being valued on the offensive line anymore. We saw Zach Martin, Quentin Nelson most recently really come in as interior offensive linemen and help change their unit from great to elite very quickly. One guy that could maybe do that this year is looking like center Garrett Bradbury from NC State. Matt, talk about uh, his big weekend. Yeah, as you mentioned, centers, they don't normally get chosen in the first round, but when they do, they tend to be these like high-end elite type of prospects. And that's what people are talking about for Garrett Bradbury. And so for me, the question is always like, there's maybe a player who is worth a first-round selection, um, but you have to have a team that wants a player at that position or needs a player at that position. So I think that is going to be the biggest question of like, what team who needs an interior lineman and maybe center specifically is going to look at him. But just in terms of him as a talent, he definitely seems to be worth it. He's smart, he's strong, and he's fast. He had a 4.92 second 40 time. So he is definitely someone like wherever a team decides to settle on uh, when do we take a guard, when do we take a center, whenever that is, he should be the first player off of the board. All right, now we'll look at some of the running backs in this group. Number one guy, uh, as far as the combine goes, coming away, Justice Hill from Oklahoma State. I think everyone knew he could ball a little bit, but 4.4 second, 40-yard dash, 40-inch vertical jump, 130-inch broad jump, one of the most explosive running backs that we saw. Yeah, and I mean, the bigger thing is that this class, I mean, it's almost by default. Like, these running backs are really, as a group, pretty unathletic. The You know, the fastest 40 time in a position group that looked pretty unappetizing. But he was explosive, uh, and he was productive in college. And I think one of the biggest things is that in college, he was listed at 190 pounds, and then at the combine, he weighed in at 198, which I think is a – I mean, I know it's only eight pounds, but that's a pretty significant difference. And I think it makes him less sort of like just a satellite back or like a three-down back and more of like a change of pace back. So, uh, yeah, I think at this point he is now the best change of pace back in the draft. And because of how teams now are using players like that, I think he now has a chance to be drafted on day two. Yeah, I agree with you that that even though it's eight pounds, that to get right around that 200-pound range, yeah. I feel like at the very least gives you a chance to be a satellite plus back where maybe – Maybe you don't start with the 20-touch workload, but you're one injury away from potentially getting that trust. Yeah. So something to keep an eye on there. Last running back we'll touch on real quick, Alex Barnes out of Kansas State. Matt, tell me about the redshirt junior. Man, this is a guy I really like. So in my pre-combine rookie rankings, he was one guy I definitely wanted to have in there, but it was hard to put him in there because uh, he just wasn't getting a lot of hype. So I had him literally as the last ranked player in the the three-round rankings. But now I'm going to move him up. Uh, There's no question about it. Almost all of the backfield production went to him last year. He tore up the combine at six feet, 226 pounds. He has three-down potential. Good speed for that size, great burst and agility. And then he had, like I think, a a 4.5940, which like – it doesn't sound great, but like for a guy who's 226 pounds, like with the agility and the explosiveness he had in his uh, in his jumps, that is all really good. So like physically, he's comparable to Nick Chubb, even David Johnson. And I know that sounds kind of outlandish, but that really is like the type of athleticism that he showed. And like this is totally anecdotal. But his agent is a guy named Murphy McGuire, who's like a younger guy, like kind of up up and coming in the industry, who I think has a really good talent for identifying undervalued athletic players in college who end up finding a way to contribute in the NFL. So Jakeem Grant was one of these guys. Puna Ford is one of these guys. I think Barnes, he's not going to be drafted any higher than the third round, probably more like rounds four or five. But I think he actually has like some pretty real potential, you know, like running back position. It's so fluid. It is so much, uh, so much of it is based on whether a guy gets touches. And I think Barnes is good enough to stick around in the NFL for a little bit. And if he goes to a team that has an unsettled backfield situation, he could be the guy who wins the job. Good stuff. I've, I've always known Jakeem Grant was your kind of cherished wide receiver in the NFL. It doesn't, that doesn't get enough opportunities. Now I'm happy we got a running back and Alex Barnes to yeah. maybe be that next guy. All right, a couple of losers from the combine as well. And again, no football is being played. So losers, you know, should be taken with a grain of salt. But there were guys that obviously performed worse than others. And we had another offensive tackle that just seemed to be have by far the worst weekend of almost everyone involved. Matt, tell me about left tackle Greg Little from Ole Miss. Yeah, um, he was expected to be a first rounder, but uh, as you mentioned, had a 
just a horrible combine. He didn't do the bench press. He was slow in the 40. He was unexplosive in the vertical. He had an Orlando Brown level type of combine. I think he's very likely at this point to drop out of the first round, like almost regardless of whatever happens at his pro day. Because if if he's just average at his pro day, people are still going to be like, well, yeah, like he had to rebound. And if he's not average, then it's like, well, this guy really has no athleticism at all. So uh, yeah, someone who definitely, I think at the best is just going to be a low end first rounder, but I don't think that's even going to happen. Like, I think maybe it's likelier now that he's like a third rounder than a first rounder. Yeah. And, you know, maybe he didn't do the bench because of a pre-existing injury or something like that. But I think in general, when someone chooses not to do one of these drills, you tend to assume the worst and you know, why would they not do the drill if they could be a top performer at it. So yeah, like you said, we'll see if he can improve at the pro day, but definitely not a great start. Next loser, running back, Elijah Holyfield from Georgia. You know, we've watched Georgia running backs kind of infiltrate the NFL a, a ton in recent history. Might not be the same with Holyfield, though, huh? No. Uh, going from Gurley to, uh, to Chubb and Michelle uh, and then now to Holyfield, it looked like it might be a run, but it's, it's not going to happen. You know, <laughs> uh, He was strong in the bench press with 26 reps, which is pretty much uh, awesome, but uh, that's the best you can say about him. He had a 4.78 second 40, which isn't good on its own and then really isn't good at 217 pounds. Like You would maybe be able to accept a time like that if a guy's like 235 pounds. So like, you know, it's, it's not a good time. So at best, he is now a day three pick. Uh, I think he could slide out of the draft altogether. This really hurt his draft stock. And uh, speaking of stocks, Ian, I want to tell you about Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free, while other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade. Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections such as 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of the Action Network NFL podcast a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at action.robinhood.com. Okay, Ian. On to day two. Matt's ad reads are quickly becoming my favorite part of the week, man. Look, <laughs> look at your range. You go from ED to stocks. This is great. All right, day two. We cannot talk about the combine without talking about height. There's one player that mattered more than anyone else. Kyler Murray, five foot 10, 207 pounds. His hand size is normal. Matt, are we looking at the next Russell Wilson, but actually a first round pick now? Yes. Suck it, Blackjack. 5'10", <laughs> not 5'8". Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, those were big numbers for him to hit. I think Russell Wilson, you know, reportedly had to lose a little bit of weight to get down to the 204 mark that he was at at the Combine, whereas Murray had to gain some weight. But, you know, I think Murray will probably play around 200. He might gain a little bit more weight as he gets into the NFL at 510. Yeah, those were important numbers for him to hit. I think he's locked in easily as a first rounder. I had him going number five in my last mock draft. I'm probably going to move him up to number one in the the mock draft I do later this week. You know, there's a lot of buzz growing for him as the number one pick. His over-under in draft position jumped from nine and a half where it was a month ago to two and a half right now. So yeah, there's there's a lot of buzz growing for him as at least a top two pick. I think he's going to be number one. Yeah, the, the, definitely the big reports coming out of the combine were Murray to the Cardinals at one. And I will say, I mean, these Cardinals have that 2017 Rams look to them just in terms of kind of impossible situation with an aging, not an aging, but incompetent coach with a running back that wasn't great. All of a sudden, Cliff Kingsbury comes in. We get, uh, you know, maybe more modern offense with a more realistic situation to thrive in, but we'll see what happens and who their quarterback ends up being. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that's kind of interesting about the situation of Murray going to the Cardinals is that you think, okay, do they really want to give up on Rosen after only one year? And that's kind of fair, but at the same time, they gave up on their head coach after just one year. They brought in a guy that was kind of an unorthodox hire, but it was like a swing for the fences hire. And if you're going to do that, 
I think you kind of need to give him the players he wants, you know, like the quarterback he needs to run his system. And I don't think there's any question that Murray is much better for that type of system than Josh Rosen. So it's just a question of how much can they get for Rosen? Can they get enough for Rosen to make it worth basically the loss that they're going to take? Because instead of having Rosen and let's say like Bosa or Keenan Williams, they'll have Murray and a second round pick or a third round pick. So like they have to think of like, what is it really worth? So that's, I I think for me, the big question, but if it's just in a vacuum, Kyler Murray versus Josh Rosen, I think no question. I think Murray's better. And I think they probably think Murray's better. Yeah. I think Murray at the end of the day will be like even the higher rated prospect at the time of, you know, the draft as compared to Rosen was last year. But yeah, like you were saying, just impossible situation for Rosen to kind of succeed in last year. All right, now for the wide receivers, Matt, I know potentially your favorite positional group in this entire draft class and the one guy that everyone has an opinion on, DK Metcalf. Tell me about the most polarizing player on fantasy football and draft Twitter. Yeah, so in a group that I think owned the combine or one of the groups that owned the combine, DK Metcalf was the star. Amongst a lot of great wide receivers, he was the outlier. So big at 6'3 and 228 pounds. I have to say, I'm amazed he was only 228 pounds, which is how impressive he looks. 1% body fat. Yeah. That, that, that number cannot be real. Like, I think that is physically impossible. <laughs> like, if you have 1% body fat, you are basically like a walking stone. So anyway, but yeah, explosive, fast with the, you know, legendary 4.33 second 40. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was wrong. I was totally wrong on how fast he would be. It's just unreal. But he had almost no agility. He had horrible agility tests. And like by horrible, I mean like sub Tom Brady as a prospect agility. So it's just like a question. Like you, and you kind of saw that on the film. Like he was a guy who had a very limited route tree. He wasn't asked to run a lot of routes where he had to change direction. And like now you kind of understand why. Like, cause that's just not something that at this point, seems to be within his skill set. Maybe that's a skill he develops later. But at this point, he's a, a big guy with straight line speed who can run deep and out jump everybody for the ball. That is what he can do. Or maybe you get it to him very quickly and then he just outruns everybody. But uh, he was good at catching the ball. And given his size, his skill set, I think he will be a top 10, top 15 pick. I would lean more towards top 10. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll see if teams have any bad things to say about his uh, injury testing. Of course, he finished the year with that neck injury, wasn't able to continue. But yeah, I love this quote that uh, he calls 50-50 balls, 99-1 balls, because 99% of the time he'll catch them. And 1% of the time it was probably a bad throw. So got to have that kind of confidence at wide receiver. But now let's talk about his teammate, A.J. Brown, who a lot of people have pointed out, you know, was the number one receiver at Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, for all of the talk that Metcalf gets, I mean, Brown had his own fantastic performance at the Combine. And this is a guy who actually had production in the SEC for two years in a row as the number one receiver on the team. 226 pounds, so a, a big guy, like thick, and ran a 4.49 second 40, which is fantastic for a guy of that size. So he should be a locked-in first-rounder. I would draft him before DK Metcalf in, you know, like the quote-unquote real-life draft and in dynasty drafts, like rookie drafts. I would want Brown before Metcalf. But yeah, of those two, Brown, he didn't outshine Metcalf, but he more than held his own. You can definitely have a better opinion on one versus the other, but I think at this point we can safely say both guys are pretty great prospects. So even if uh, you prefer one to the other, I mean, both these guys are looking like potential number one picks in the first round. Okay, and earlier we mentioned Paris Campbell and and Andy Isabella as just two of the biggest uh, speedsters and blazers at the Combine. Tell me what you think about these guys and their potential of draft spots. Yeah, so Campbell was a guy that um, I just I wasn't really buying it, and the I would say probably the worst pick I had, the the worst sort of analytical perspective I had on this was that Campbell would not be as fast as everyone thought he would be, and he was faster than everyone thought he would be. <laughs> like his over under was four point three eight. And I think at one point it was plus 200 to take the over. So I, I mean, I took the over because it's like, how often are you going to have a guy who's 200 pounds, uh, maybe a little bit heavier than 200 pounds, run a sub 438? Like it just, it doesn't happen all that often, but it happened. So he was productive at Ohio State, obviously showed the athleticism. I think he's going to be a low first round pick. 
and if not, uh, definitely a second rounder. And then Isabella, man, this guy, like people aren't going to come up with the right comps for him. Like they're going to say he's sort of like Wes Welker or like Julian Edelman, but like he's Brandon Cooks or Tyler Lockett. That's literally the type of player he is with his speed, with his size, not with just the receiving production he had, but also with the rushing production that he had in college and then his ability as a return man. Like, he's not going to be drafted in the first round, but, like, man, he could produce, like, a first-rounder. But I I think he's locked into day two at this point. Some team is going to get a really good player. He's like Welker and Edelman if they were actually fast. That's the type of, of, like, ability that he has. So I'm definitely moving him up my rookie rankings. Good stuff. And yeah, you mentioned from this wide receiver class, just pretty impressive uh, as a whole. One good point from uh, Cynthia Freeland in her top 12 numbers from the combine, 4.49 seconds was actually the average 40-yard dash from the wide receiver group. And that's the first time in the last 15 years that it's actually been under a uh, sub-4-5 number. Yeah. So unbelievable. And so, all right, now we'll talk about one guy who's not technically a wide receiver, but can certainly line up as one and look the part. Noah Fant, tight end from Iowa. We have, you know, rookie tight ends in general don't usually do so great as fantasy performers in year one, but we have seen some guys like O.J. Howard a little bit, Evan Ingram, the more athletic versions uh, kind of buck that trend a little bit. Do you think Fant could be that guy? Maybe. It's hard to know. Um, I have him slotted right now going to the Packers at number 30 in the the pre-combine mock, and I was expecting him to be pretty athletic, so this doesn't really change much of my opinion on him, but it does make me feel more confident in projecting him to the first round, and like he had a lot of hype entering the combine. He lived up to it. That 4.5 second 40 at 249 pounds is just unbelievable. Great explosiveness, great agility. Wherever he goes, like his team is getting an absolute player. He's like like what Mike Gesicki was to last year's draft, just in terms of like overall physical like profile. That's what Fant is, except probably even a better producer. So I don't know if he's going to be a year one type of player, it's just hard to project at the tight end position, but I think at some point he makes an NFL impact. Yeah, you just give me flashbacks to when I had way too much Mike Jacecki week one exposure on DraftKings, and <laughs> right. that did not work out. Yeah. So that's a reminder to you know not always put your uh, whole heart and soul in these combine numbers when it comes to fantasy in the first. Hey, and, and Jacecki still has time, you know. For sure, absolutely, yes. absolutely. It just uh, you know landing spot depth chart certainly matters as much, if not more, than yeah. our combine numbers as much as we love them. All right, now some of the losers from day two. Other than, I guess, Kyler Murray, we saw some good things from Dwayne Haskins throwing the ball, but Tyree Jackson is a guy that kind of ended up uh, getting a lot of buzz as well. What do you think about Jackson? Yeah, I mean, I would say, like, for the loser category, I would put Dwayne Haskins here if I thought that running actually mattered. But, like, it it really doesn't matter so much for him. Like, we were kind of expecting him to be rather unathletic, and he was. Tyree Jackson is interesting because like he has great size at 6'7", 249 pounds. He has a strong arm and he's blazing fast for that size. A 4.5940 at 249 pounds and 6'7". That's really impressive. But he's not good throwing the ball, which basically makes him like a low round Josh Allen. Um, He's coming out a year early from college. He doesn't have great accuracy. It would have been nice if he had been able to go back to college one more year and put a good season on tape. Um, He needed to impress throwing the ball at the combine, but uh, he didn't look great. So in a class that was wide open after the top two quarterbacks, he really could have made a case to be selected on day two, um, but he, he didn't impress. So he's got he's tall, big arm, seeing Denver, I guess, Tyree. But. Yeah, really. <laughs> if John Elway selected him in round three, it would be like, of course this happened. <laughs> oh, man. All right, now a couple of wide receivers that also didn't have the best weekend. Uh, Kelvin Harmon and Greg Dortch. Uh, tell me what didn't quite go so well with these guys. Yeah, so Harmon, he had first-round hype entering the combine. He wasn't horrible. He had a 4.6-second 40 time at 6'2 and 221 pounds. In a normal year, that would seem just fine, but this wasn't a normal year. This was a year in which all of the other wide receivers just exploded. So he still might be a first-rounder. You know, like I, I don't know if he's going to drop out of the first round. 
I think he still has that type of caliber of skill set, but he lost ground relative to some of the other wide receivers. And then Greg Dortch is sort of like uh, the like the metric draftnik dream wide receiver, just in terms of like he was very productive in college at Wake Forest from a market share perspective, had a lot of different ways in which he got his production, uh, and is very young. But he's small. You know, so small, like, I mean, really small, 5'7", 173 pounds. So when a guy's that small, like, I think he needs to be fast. And he didn't, he didn't do any of the drills at the combine. So to me, that's a little bit of a red flag. It just looks bad by comparison relative to all of the other wide receivers. So he really needs to impress at his pro day. But even then, I don't know, like, I was thinking he might be like a third round guy and I'm going to probably start to slot him into more of like the fourth or fifth round range. Yeah. I mean, if you're just not doing any of the drills and even giving yourself a chance to rise to the top, it's just hard to call that anything but a loser performance at a place where all we're trying to do is see their drill times. All right. Last loser from day two, Caden Smith, Stanford tight end. We've seen Stanford, you know, push out plenty of uh, NFL caliber talents at these positions over the years, but Caden doesn't look to be on that way right now. Yeah, it's um, it's just a strong tight end class. I think there might be three guys drafted in round one, maybe another two or three drafted in round two. And in comparison to those guys, he looked like a non-athlete, which was pretty surprising because he was a five-star recruit. He was a Mackey Award finalist last year at Stanford. And Stanford, as you mentioned, does have this tradition of putting pretty good guys into the NFL at the tight end position. But he had a 4.92 second 40 time. He wasn't explosive or agile. So I think he goes from like a day two type of player to more of a day three guy. Yeah, and that was a good point. This is an incredibly deep tight end class. I mean, we're talking about Iowa potentially having two tight ends go in the first round, which is just absolutely ludicrous. So, all right, now we'll look, go ahead to day three, which is the defensive linemen and linebackers, you know, pretty much the true heroes of a football team, as I like to think of them. And the big, <laughs> and, and the big winner out of here was Alabama defensive tackle, Quentin Williams. I mean, anytime you're a defensive tackle and you get Heisman hype, I mean, I think it's fair to assume this is one of the best players in college football. And Matt, I guess that's your opinion here. He is the number one player in college football. Yeah, I think he's the number one player in this draft. He's not going to be drafted number one overall, but I think he's the top prospect. You know, he's big, 6'3", 303 pounds, big enough to anchor against the run, um, but he's fast and explosive enough to rush the passer pretty well from the interior. He was PFF's highest ranked college player last year. He had a 4.8340 time. I believe he was their highest ranked player as a pass rusher as well. So he's not just someone who's good against the run, but he has that skill set too. Like the only way he falls out of the top three is if there's an an early run. And I would say like an unreasonably early run on quarterbacks. Um, But even then, I think he would still probably be a a top three guy. But uh, yeah, I I think the number one player overall, whoever gets him, like you don't want to say something outlandish like you are getting someone who is like Aaron Donald, but I think he has an Aaron Donald type of skill set. It's just like a question of whether he can, whether like it's a matter of degrees, whether he actually is Aaron Donald or he's someone who is Aaron Donald-esque, but just a step below that. Yeah, I mean, it's. I feel like the safest prospects are usually the biggest, fastest, strongest guys that have a history of great production. I mean, he, you know, you can only check so many boxes. We can't guarantee anyone's going to be a great NFL player, but I mean, it's pretty hard to look at Williams and come away with any other opinion. Yeah, and so, he's young too. Like yeah. he's young. He had really only one year of action at Alabama, coming out as a redshirt sophomore. But man, that guy produced. And like he could, he could have, I mean, 15 years is a stretch, but like he could be a force for 10 years in the NFL. Complete beast. All right. A couple other uh, defensive linemen really helped their stock this weekend. Maybe none more so than Montez Sweat. People, (laughs) 4.41 second, 40 yard dash at 260 pounds. Unbelievable. It's, it's unreal. Like for me, the gold standard of sort of like speed guys at a big size has been like Calvin Johnson or Vincent Jackson, but like Montez Sweat just took it to an entirely different (laughs) level and really like edge rushers, I would say it's one of the strengths of this class. But yeah, as you mentioned, he had that just unreal 40 time at 260 pounds. I had him as a, a first rounder, but like now I think he's locked in as like a top 10, top 15 player in the draft like maybe even top five if, if a team like kind of gets crazy and, and thinks that he's 
better than uh, than Josh Allen. Elite athleticism, long arms, great explosion, and agility. You know, edge is a position where athleticism really matters, uh, and it tends to be predictive. And I mean, Sweat is a big combine winner here, just in terms of the athleticism that he displayed. Yeah, I mean, look no further than last year's draft when we saw the Saints uh, trade up to get Marcus Davenport. If you want to know how uh, much NFL teams really yeah. value an elite uh, edge defender, so. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see him, and I'm with you. I think he'll. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to betting the under on his uh, draft position for sure. Another potential edge rusher. We're not quite sure what to make of his position yet, but definitely a guy that uh, helped himself a ton at the combine. Rashawn Gary, uh, the Michigan defensive tackle, defensive end, massive. Uh, we talked about his 40 time and couldn't believe how uh, low the over under was. I think it settled around 4.65 seconds and. The man beat it at 277 pounds. What a freak, Rashawn Gary. What do you think of him? Yeah, I mean, you called it in your, your write-up. You took the under. Congratulations on that. I, uh, Thank you. I, of little faith, did not, take the, uh, did not take the under there. But, yeah, I mean, I'm just – anytime I can bet against a, a guy being a statistical outlier, uh, I'm going to do it. But, yeah, Gary is, is an outlier at 277 pounds, having the athleticism that he displayed at the combine, that 4.58 second 40, just absolutely unbelievable. You know, there are two big questions about him, and you touched on the first one. Where is he going to play? Is he a pure edge rusher? Is he a 4-3 defensive tackle? Is he a 3-4 defensive end? Like, where are you going to put him? And then – why didn't he produce in college? That's the big second question. Um, he didn't have a lot of production at Michigan, even though it seemed like he probably should have with the athletic skill set he has. So he is, I think, this draft's ultimate, other than DK Metcalf, this draft's ultimate boom-bust selection. But either way, I think he's locked in as a first-rounder. I had him slated towards the bottom half of the second round, but now I'm pretty sure he's going in the top half. Yeah, definitely a lot of production questions there for sure for someone that coming out of high school was widely beat as the number one recruit in the country. One guy that really doesn't have those production questions is uh, Kentucky edge rusher Josh Allen. I found an interesting thing from the combine was, uh, I believe Dane Brugler pointed out that a bunch of different uh, prospects were just talking about Allen was the smartest and best player that they played against all season. So, you know, definitely saw that with the sack numbers, but he also helped himself a lot this weekend, huh? Yeah. So I think for him, the question wasn't anything to do with production or intelligence. It was just how athletic is he? And definitely showed his athleticism running a 4.6340 at 262 pounds. So yeah, I think he locked in his place as a top 10. I would probably even say top five prospect. I think wherever Bosa goes, he's going off the board, probably, uh, you know, a pick or two after that. Yeah, it definitely seems like he's separated himself as the clear number two edge rusher in this draft. All right, linebacker position. It's really the two Devins and everyone else. Devin White from LSU, complete sideline to sideline linebacker. And then also Devin Bush at Michigan, who, you know, a lot of I've seen a lot of people note that they go to watch Rashawn Gary film and Devin Bush is just hopping off the screen because he's going sideline to sideline, making all sorts of plays. Tell me about uh, Devin White and Devin Bush. Yeah, I mean, White, we were expecting him to uh, go under his 40 time, which was, I believe, uh, 4.5. Yeah, and so crushed that with a 4.42 at 237 pounds. Fantastic athleticism. Like, I think if you lined him up at running back, he would be like the top running back in this class. You know Ooh, what I mean? Like, nice. he's just, he's so explosive, was the heart of that LSU defense. I had him going uh, to the Packers at number 12 in my pre-combine mock. I might move him up. It's just, you know, so with linebackers, especially off-ball linebackers, there's just a question of, like, does a team value that position? Like, how do they value it? But in terms of a prospect, I think he, on his own, in a vacuum, is clearly a top-ten guy in this class. We have seen these off-ball linebackers, you know, your Leighton Van Der Esch, uh, uh, Roquan Smith or Chicago. It does seem like if they have more of the speed, like a Deion Jones, Atlanta uh, Falcons-type guy that can help in coverage, help as a pass rusher and help in the run game and you don't have to take them off the field ever that's how you can kind of separate yourself as a linebacker and become that first round pick yeah and Devin Bush there were questions about him entering the combine in terms of size and speed and was he worth a first round pick I think he definitely is worth a first round pick he answered those questions 234 pounds and a 4.43 second 40 I know that White is getting a lot of the hype as the premier linebacker in this class but like Bush is not far behind him 
And I think if it was a difference of getting white at pick number 10 and getting Bush at pick number 20, like I would rather have Bush. I just, I don't see there being that much of a difference between those guys. And like, this is coming from someone who isn't like skilled at watching the tape. So maybe just in terms of what white can do on the field, uh, just in terms of like his knowledge and his instincts, there is a pretty significant difference, but Bush was someone who has the athleticism and was incredibly productive in college. Uh, So I think he's locked into the first round. Uh, I had him going to the Steelers at number 20 before the combine. Like it's a position of need for them. I don't see him falling outside of the top 20. And I think he could go in the top 10, sorry, uh, top 15. Yeah. I like that Steelers fit as well. Um, You know, hopefully Ryan Shazier can get back there uh, one day, but for now they definitely need to increase the speed on the second line of their defense. All right. Now a couple of the losers from the combine, Nick Bosa, has number one overall hype a little bit still, but similar to his brother Joey, didn't really test off the charts, uh, kind of further removed we get from playing actual football. His draft stock doesn't exactly seem to be going up because it really didn't have anywhere to go up. But uh, tell me about how his uh, weekend went down. And I'm sorry, everyone, I'm an Ohio State diehard, so it's hard for me to say negative things about Nick Bosa, all right? No, and it's fair. Like it, it's almost, it's very hard to say he lost the combine, right? Uh, it's just like he had number one overall hype entering the combine. He wasn't bad, but he wasn't great enough to make the Cardinals have to take him with the top overall pick. That's you know, like if, if he had a Miles Garrett or a Jadavian Clowney type of performance, he really might be the number one guy. They might say, okay, this defensive end is so good and what he's going to add to our defense is so valuable that we can afford to pass on a quarterback and, and and go with Rosen for another year. But he didn't have that type of performance. So I, I think he ended up costing himself the number one pick by, you know, just being like a very great athlete as opposed to like an elite, you know, outlier type of athlete. And then, you know, uh, Queen and Williams was so impressive that he might go ahead of Bosa. Like you could see, like if, if Murray goes number one, who knows what the 49ers are going to do. They would probably take Bosa, but maybe they trade out of the pick. Like it, it's possible that, that Bosa, like his brother, slips down to number three when no one thinks that's a reasonable thing to happen. But it, it could happen. So he's still in the running for the top pick, but he could just as easily slip out of the top two. So I don't think it impacts the type of NFL player he can be but I think it will impact the money he makes in his first contract and maybe like the type of endorsement deals he can get as someone who's not the number one pick. Yeah, that's a good point too. It's not just that he's competing against other defensive ends. He's also competing against the potential draft of quarterback with that number one overall pick. So didn't separate himself. And yeah, I think I'm with you. My money would be on Kyler Murray getting that number one spot uh, at this point in time. All right, another defensive end that didn't quite help himself out this uh, last weekend, Jackie Polite. Yeah, a potential first rounder entering the combine still might go in the first round, but I think he's more of a fringe guy now. Like the other edge rushers, they just stood out so much and really solidified themselves. And he was supposed to be a strong athlete, but he had just a 4.84 second 40 time at 258 pounds. He had a hamstring issue, so that obviously probably hindered him, but he will need to improve on his pro day. But I think he might fall out around one. All right, last loser from this day, Mac Wilson, who was kind of considered, and still might be, but number three off-ball linebacker behind the two Devons. And unlike the two Devons, uh, he didn't exactly crush his combine at all. Matt, yeah. tell me about Mac. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, Mac Weldon. Uh, it's just it's not a great year for off-ball linebackers in general after the top two. So yeah, he was in the running to be the number three guy at the position. He had first round hype entering the 2018 season. He didn't flash all that much for Alabama last year. He didn't do the drills at the combine. Like polite, he is also dealing with a hamstring injury. So like for a guy who needs to resuscitate his draft stock, he really missed a big opportunity. And speaking of big opportunity, don't miss yours to hear me talk about Audible. There's never been a better time to start listening than right now on Audible. With Audible, you get access to unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, motivation, mysteries, thrillers, memoirs, and more. Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet. And now, with Audible Originals, the selection has gotten even more custom with content made for members. If you're like me and you like to pretend that you're smart and knowledgeable and you can talk about Russian writers like Pushkin, Tolstoy, Dostoevsky, Chekhov, and Nabokov, 
but you don't actually want to take the time to read their really long books, just listen to them on Audible. That way you can pretend to be like George Costanza and cultured. Audible members can choose three titles every month, one audiobook and two Audible originals you can't hear anywhere else. Audible members also get access to exclusive audio fitness programs in case you like to listen while exercising. That's what I do when I am pretending to listen to Russian authors. Listen on any device, anytime, anywhere, at home, at the gym, on your commute, or just on the go. You'll also enjoy easy audiobook exchanges, rollover credits, and an audiobook library you keep forever, even if you cancel. Audible, the most inspiring minds, the most compelling stories, the best place to listen. Get started with a 30-day trial when you go to audible.com slash action or text action to 500-500 and listen for a change. That is audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash action or text action, A-C-T-I-O-N to 500-500. Ian, let's get into day four. Day four was the defensive backs and one of the big winners here. And the guy that came in the combine as a kind of consensus number one cornerback seems to have left the combine as a consensus number one cornerback. Greedy Williams from LSU. We knew he had the great name. Six foot two and 185 pounds. He's got the size. But Matt, he's also got the speed. Yeah, 4.37 second 40. I agree. Totally solidifies him as the number one cornerback in the class. You would like to see him weigh a little bit more. For a guy who is probably more of a press man corner. You would like for him to be a little bit stronger. I mean, look at it this way. He is in the SEC playing against DK Metcalf. He's 187 pounds and Metcalf can just like break him. He's probably going to have to put on, you know, some quote unquote NFL weight, but he definitely has the speed and, you know, he has that, um, that reputation and that, you know, for lack of a better word, pedigree coming out of LSU, which is just, you know, like produced a lot of NFL cornerbacks over the years, almost certain, I think, to be a top 10 selection. And it, it wouldn't be surprising. I mean, well, it kind of would be surprising if someone like the Raiders took him at number four. But I, I think he has a very good chance to go in the top 10. Yeah, ideally, you know, he'll be able to put on some more weight because he does have a longer frame than most cornerbacks. But yeah, I mean, whenever you're giving up 30 pounds to really anyone, it's going to be a bit of a struggle. So we'll see how that works out for Greedy. But number one safety from the combine, in your opinion, Juan Thornhill, who we saw post arguably the most explosive combine out of the defensive back. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd say he was the number one safety, but there wasn't really a safety who, like, just like took the combine by storm and really stood out. But Thornhill, relative to expectations or relative to his, his draft hype, really stood out. Uh, he had a, you know the 4.42 second 40 uh, time to go along with his combine best explosiveness. Again, he wasn't getting a lot of hype entering the combine. But uh, you know after that, I went back, started to research him. He's a pretty versatile player. He has experience at cornerback and safety, was a three-year starter. He could go in round two. Like I think there's some kind of like Byron Jones-esque type of potential here. Like there were questions about – you know, what type of player is Byron Jones? Is he a safety? Is he a cornerback? The Cowboys couldn't answer that question for years. And then finally, when they move him to cornerback, he has, you know, a, a great season, one of the best cornerback seasons in the NFL last year. I think Thornhill has that type of potential where, you know, maybe you don't settle on him as a guy who's only a cornerback, but maybe he can do a lot of different things for your defense, playing safety, playing a corner, moving around. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he has uh, a lot of potential and now is a day two pick. Yeah, definitely helping his cause by giving uh, NFL teams just the potential to play him at different spots. I mean, if he's that fast and that good, let the guy go thrive. All right, two uh, losers now. Cornerback Byron Murphy, who, you know, again, this, this is more based on the numbers because as, you, as I think we'll get into, Murphy did look pretty good in position drills. He looked great in position drills. Like everyone who came away from watching him said he had the best footwork, the best technique at the position, and it wasn't even close. The thing is, he needs to be the best at the position just in terms of uh, his technique and his footwork because he's an average athlete. You know, he's just 190 pounds and he ran a 4.55 second 40 time and had, you know, mediocre explosiveness in his jumps. So a quarterback that size generally needs to be really fast, like in the four fours, maybe the four threes. It's just this question as to whether a guy who is small and not fast is going to be technically skilled enough to match up with NFL wide receivers who are fast, 
who are big and who are also pretty good at their jobs, right? So he could still be a first rounder coming out of Washington, which has also produced a lot of NFL cornerbacks. He could still be a first rounder, but there was talk of him as maybe a top 10 pick entering the combine. And now like that, that talk is just ridiculous. Like if he's a first rounder, it's, it's in the twenties. It's maybe like even in the thirties, he's someone who still has talent, but like there now there are, I think, legitimate questions as to whether he will be able to match up as an NFL quarterback. Yeah, and really at any position, I think if you have, uh, you know, more than a, if you have these type of questions, you're not going to be able to lock in that top 10 pick uh, as easily as some of these more polished players. All right, last loser we're going to get into, safety Nasir Adderley. And, uh, you know, again, these guys can certainly overcome a bad combine, but for maybe some of these players coming from a smaller school that don't have as much uh, great foam against high-level competition, much more important to uh, really dominate the combine when you get a chance to, and Adderley really did. Yeah, I mean, there was talk of him as the first safety on the board entering the combine. He didn't work out, which I, I think is a red flag. Uh, he was okay, but not great in the on-the-field drills. As you mentioned, he's a small school guy coming out of Delaware. So there were some questions about his athleticism and whether he would be able to compete with guys uh, at a higher level. And the thing is, no one else really stood out at the position. You know, it's a pretty mediocre safety class in general. So if he had crushed his workouts, he easily could have locked himself in as a first rounder. And that just, you know, that, that didn't happen because he, he didn't give himself the opportunity to, uh, you know, to impress people with his 40 time or his explosiveness. So we just kind of have to wait for his pro day. Uh, and maybe he does a, a great job there, but really missed opportunity to distinguish himself amongst a group of guys who really didn't do anything to impress. Oh, one more person we should mention, mention uh, Rich Eisen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think he's a winner. I would say he's a winner, uh, you know, running the, uh, the 40 yard dash in exactly six seconds. Uh, man's was, defying father time. It's yeah. unbelievable. He's getting faster as he ages. Yeah, uh, he really is. And he's, at least he's sort of locked in to that, uh, that six second range. Um, so, you know, if he starts slipping, that's going to be sad, but a definite win to, uh, to hit the six second mark running in a full suit, big win for him. And also for, uh, all the money that he raises for, uh, his charitable work. So, uh, definitely fun to watch that. Ian, anything else you want to mention about the combine? Yeah, real quick, I guess Eisen uh, trained pretty hardcore with Jay Glazer for that. So uh, I can only imagine the type of MMA drills and stuff for that nature he was getting into. So uh, hats off to Rich for really going all out there. But now, um, yeah, like you said, you know, ex- exciting combine time, but we'll, we'll really kind of have the full, I think, grasp of this situation after we get the pro day numbers of some of the guys that didn't compete. But for now, it's on the free agency, people. Let's do it. Yeah, free agency next week. Oh, man, I wasn't really even thinking about that. We, we should probably have a free agency podcast next week. Something for us to think about. Uh, and then, of course, later this week, we will have the Week 5 Alliance of American Football podcast. But that is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network NFL podcast. Please rate and review the show on iTunes. Subscribe, unsubscribe, and resubscribe. For Ian, I am Matthew Friedman, Matt F. Oracle. See you again next episode. 